Because Jack the Giant Slayer is still in theaters at the time of this recording, the first few minutes of this podcast review will be spoiler-free. Are you just watching episode 35, Jack the Giant Slayer? This is the podcast where we give you critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and yes, that's right, I'm hosting this episode because Eve said that if I review Jack the Giant Slayer for our Once Upon a Time podcast over at oncepodcast.com, the only way she was going to let me have the tickets for it was if I also do a review over here for Are You Just Watching? And I think Eve is doing a fantastic job with Are You Just Watching? And she wrote me into doing this little review for you guys. So, hey, hi. Thanks for having me back. Anyway, let's talk about this movie, Jack the Giant Slayer. This is a bit of a different take of the Jack and the Beanstalk story. It's a little bit of the mixing of two different similar, slightly similar stories, because there's the classic story we all know, Jack and the Beanstalk, which is the thing with the cow, the beanstalk, the fee-fi-fo-flum-fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman, all of that. That's the traditional Jack and the Beanstalk story. There's also another story that is Cornish fairy tale, and it's called Jack the Giant Killer. Now, it doesn't have much similarity to Jack and the Beanstalk, but it does still have this Jack character. There are these giants, and the character Jack wants to be a knight of the round table and ultimately is rewarded with that. That's in the Jack the Giant Slayer or Jack the Giant Killer fairy tale. So some of that has been brought into this movie, but primarily the movie Jack the Giant Slayer is more a retelling of Jack and the Beanstalk, but it's a very different approach to it. And at the very end of the movie, and I won't give any spoilers away yet, I'll save that for in a few minutes, but at the very end of the movie, they then show you this kind of audio evolution montage of how the story changed, lost details, picked up details, things were changed around, moved around, kind of like playing telephone. And you then hear the story change from what they show in the movie to the story that we know as Jack and the Beanstalk with the cow, the mother, the beans, and being a price for the cows and the magic harp and the giant wife and all of that stuff. That's how this all came about. According to the movie is that just through legend and retelling of the story, then the story changed to be what it is that we know today. Jack the Giant Slayer is a movie from Warner Brothers. And it's a movie that doesn't take itself too seriously. They use a lot of humor throughout this, which I think was great because Jack the Giant Slayer is fairly violent. Now, it's not gory violence. And I would say on a scale of violence, gore, scare, that kind of stuff, compared to Harry Potter, I would say that Jack the Giant Slayer is much lower than that gore and scariness factor of Harry Potter. But there is plenty of violence, but like with characters getting their heads bitten off, but you don't see the blood. It's not gory. It's not gross. The giants are gross looking. They're just kind of a bit grotesque in their design, kind of like ogre-ish. But it's not overly scary. But I would would say probably kids under eight, 
you might want to think carefully about it because, of course, they could have nightmares related to the Giants, but the movie doesn't present itself so seriously that it tries to be a scary giant movie. And part of this is because they bring in so many humor elements to it. Some of it, I feel like, is they're mixing modern humor, the kind of thing like, there's someone behind me, isn't there? They use that several times, and that's a kind of joke that I feel like I'm tired of hearing. And it just, to me, it felt like it didn't fit too much in this movie. But that's because Jack and the Jack the Giant Slayer doesn't take itself too seriously. And I got to see it in 3D. My wife really liked it in 3D. I felt like it was okay, not just <laughs> didn't really stand out to me as a 3D movie, but I'm just skeptical, skeptical in general of 3D movies because I feel like I lose interest in the 3D or I stop noticing the 3D after just a few minutes of the movie. So it's up to you if you want to see this movie in 3D or not. But my personal advice would be if you're going to see a movie in 3D, pick something else to see it. But my wife felt like this was the best 3D movie she's seen in a while, that she really liked the way the 3D came out. And my wife and I reviewed the movie together over on our Once Upon a Time podcast. So if you go over to oncepodcast.com slash 83, you'll get to hear some of our story there and our review of it. Now, there are several interesting religious elements brought into this that clearly were not part of the Jack and the Beanstalk story. But in this, there are monks. There is talk about gods, about reaching out to gods. Uh, One of the giants even asks, do you believe in God? And there are statements about evil and betrayal and stuff. So there are some interesting discussion points for this. Certainly not something that's going to ultimately big time challenge your worldview, but we'll get into a couple of the more details in a moment after I play the music for this, uh, when I then go into the spoiler discussion about this. But it was a fun movie. I enjoyed it, and my wife enjoyed it, and you might enjoy it too. So we would love your comments on Jack the Giant Slayer. Please go to areyoujustwatching.com slash 35 to comment on the show notes for this episode and let us know if you saw Jack the Giant Slayer or maybe you just saw the trailer. What are your impressions? What did you think of the movie? What stood out to you? We'd love to hear from you from that. As well, Eve is doing this great segment as part of Are You Just Watching of her uh, section of Did You See That? And so please submit some content for that. She would love to have the things that you notice about movies, TV shows, commercials, anything like that, that you realize that we as Christians should be thinking critically about these things and something that we might just be not realizing what's going on. But when you take a critical thinking approach to it, you realize, oh, that's what they're saying. So please send that stuff and send any feedback in general to Eve and to us as part of this network of podcasts. So email feedback at areyoujustwatching.com or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221. You can also go to areyoujustwatching.com and click on the send a voice message link to record a message right from your computer as well as from your iOS device. And again, the show notes are areyoujustwatching.com slash 35 and you can comment there and share the episode with your family, friends, and so on. So now let me play, just before I go into the spoilers discussion about this episode, or this 
movie. I'm so used to saying episode because of Once Upon a Time. This soundtrack was composed by John Ottman. He's done other movies like X-Men. And John Ottman, I think, is a fantastic composer. And I'm going to play for you just before I then get into the spoiler based discussion of Jack the Giant Slayer. Here is a sample of the soundtrack for Jack the Giant Slayer. Now, if you want to purchase the soundtrack, then go to the show notes at areyoujustwatching.com slash 35, and we'll have links there where you can purchase the soundtrack. Great soundtrack. I really like it. I think you will too. So here's a sample of Jack the Giant Slayer by John Ottman. So at the heart of Jack the Giant Slayer is a love story, which you wouldn't expect, but interesting how they fit it in there. So now if you don't want to be spoiled on Jack the Giant Slayer, then stop listening to the podcast now and you can come back later. Or if you don't mind being spoiled or if you've seen the movie by now, then keep listening as I will be sharing spoilers in part of this discussion. So like I mentioned, this is a love story in a sense, and it seems like Hollywood is always turning everything into a love story of some sort. So they take a very different approach to the Jack and the Beanstalk story. In this movie, Jack is living with his uncle, but years, many years before this, giants lived in this place that had never been discovered before, but it was monks who wanted to reach God, and so they used magic to create these magic beings that would take them to heaven, reach into the stars so that they could find God. Does that sound familiar to you? It reminded me of Genesis 11, which the first few verses read like this. This is from the English Standard Version. Now, the whole earth had one language and the same words, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there, and they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly, and they had brick for stone and butamen for mortar. Then they said, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them." Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they might, may not understand one another's speech. And that's the story of the Tower of Babel, as some people say, the Tower of Babel. And when we got languages in our history and also the then forced cultural splitting, people groups forming, people spreading across the land then. And there are several different interpretations of what this biblical story uh, account of the Tower of Babel means when it says build a tower with its top in the heavens. Certain translations come out saying, build a tower to the heavens. And there are two different ways that you can look at this. One is that 
this was a tower that they wanted to build the tallest tower and make it reach into into the heavens and be able to say, you know, hey, we're these great people and we made this great tower and all of this stuff kind of makes me think of modern day cities where towers are getting taller and taller and taller. But another interpretation of and possible meaning of the Genesis 11 account is that they were making this tower to worship the heavens, a tower to the heavens, meaning as worship for the heavens. Either way, because certainly back then they were worshiping false gods, Either way, I think there's a very interesting connection here to Jack the Giant Slayer because these monks who were considered holy men and uh, they were referred to people who served God, it said in the movie that they wanted to reach God. And so they used magic, (laughs) the irony there. Uh, You do not need magic to reach God. Uh, That right there, that's a major point that... See, so many people are on this major search for God and quest to find God, find the answers. My wife and I recently watched the movie Contact, which if you've seen that or read the book, it's by Carl Sagan, who became a creationist shortly after his death. And wait for it, wait for it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. And uh, he had this vendetta against a lot of people, and that's why he wrote the book. But the book seemed like so much of this search for God and search for meaning. And so many people are looking for this when they don't realize we already have it at our fingertips, the ability to have a relationship with God and to know God. We don't need magic in order to find God. We don't need a magic beanstalk, but these monks apparently thought they needed to use magic. Why are monks using magic anyway? That's kind of odd. But then they use this to reach to God, try to find God. But they said that along the way, they discovered something else and they they called it a prison between heaven and earth. And this is where the giants live in this prison sort of place between heaven and earth. And because man had reached up there, it was kind of like giving the giants the taste for man's blood. And so the giants come, start conquering people. But one of the giants was killed and they took the heart, the monks took the heart of the giant and from it, using magic again, made this magical crown that would control the giants and send them back to their prison between heaven and earth where this this evil lies. And that also kind of reminded me of the thing about certain demons being bound until the appointed time in Revelation when they will be released and there will be this spiritual warfare and judgment on mankind. Just a little side reference there on that. But of course, you know that these beings come up again later because that's how the whole Jack and the Beanstalk story comes up. And the crown is possessed by a, or owned by a prince who wants to use the giants to rule the kingdom and take over the land by controlling the giants being their king and thus establishing himself as the ruler. But along the way, in the beginning of the story, when we meet young Jack as well as young Prince Isabella or Isabel, 
We hear several things mentioned, and we see many parallels between Jack's life and Isabel's life. Jack as this uh, poor kid and who loses his father at some point, and Isabel, the princess living in the palace. There are a lot of parallels, and their dialogue actually goes back and forth, cuts between what Jack is saying with his uncle, as well as what the princess is saying to her father, the king. But often the story was referred to as being just a story and something read to kids at bedtime. I know this is the approach that many people also take to the Bible, that the Bible is just a book of stories. Well, how do we know that the Bible isn't just a book of stories? Well, as Christians, I believe that we should be taking the approach that the Bible is the infallible, inerrant Word of God, and we should assume that it is true. Taking that approach, and this is not a ridiculous approach, because others do the same thing, they just have a different starting point. Their starting point is the Bible isn't true, and instead their interpretation of the past is true, or, or certain things that they are choosing to believe on faith. Is true. So they're they're using the same kind of faith, the same kind of start, same kind of belief, just a different starting point. They're believing in something completely different because of their starting points. So we know that the Bible is not just a book of stories because well, when we approach the Bible as a book of history containing historical accounts of actual events, and then we go out looking for these events, we find them. So when we use the Bible as our worldview, kind of like a pair of glasses, and then look at the world around us, the world makes sense. And we find things that confirm the Bible's historicity and not prove it, because if something else can prove the Bible, then that means that something else is superior to the Bible. The Bible is the superior truth, so other things will continue to confirm the truth of the Bible and confirm to us that the accounts that we read in the Bible are not just stories. When I have kids someday, I'm not going to tell them Bible stories. I'm going to tell them this is a real thing that happened, that the Bible records the historical event. This is the biblical account of this event. I'm not going to say this is a story from the Bible, because then that's what leads to things like the bathtub ark with the giraffe sticking out of the top, or like, oh, this is just a cute story, and when you grow up, throw it out with the Easter bunny and Santa Claus and all of that stuff. So all of that from one line in this. But then at some point, Jack asks his dad after he finished telling the story, of the giants. And Jack asked his dad, uh, who his dad was saying, it's just a story. It's, it's not real. And then Jack asked his dad, how do you know giants aren't real? And his father's response was very honest, but also telling his father. Then after having already said things like this, isn't real, it's just a story. His father then said in response to how do you know giants aren't real? He said, I don't. And that's an issue that many people who reject the truth of the Bible have to face is how can you ultimately know that what the Bible claims is not true, 
you can't. If you reject truth, then you have to accept anything else in its place. Now, how do we know that the Bible is true? Well, many things, science, history, archaeology, chemistry, all of this confirms the Bible's historicity, confirms the accounts in the Bible, confirms all of these things that are easily verifiable in the Bible. And as Jesus said in John, he said that if I tell you about earthly things and you don't believe me, then how can I tell you about heavenly things and you believe me? Because see, when the Bible tells us about earthly things, we can trust it and we can validate it. We can confirm it, uh, not validate, confirm. I'm sorry, use the wrong word there, but we can confirm these things. So then we know when there are things that we can't quite confirm yet, like what heaven will be like or the spiritual things, then we know that because there's a history of telling the truth, then we can trust the things that we can't confirm yet, but those things that we trust in and accept by faith that will come to pass someday. So what God will do someday. The monks were also teased a little bit by a couple of the bad guys from Jack the Giant Slayer. One of them said, a kind of dopey guy said, why do the monks shave their heads like that so God can see into their brains? And yeah, it it is a kind of funny line and funny thing, but it's also insulting a bit what the monks feel like was something serious. And I'm talking about there are many Christian monks in history, people who truly were passionate about God and chose to live a different lifestyle. Now, that doesn't mean we agree with every decision that they made, but certain things like the shaving of their heads, they didn't want anything between themselves and God, so they shaved their heads to allow direct access between man and God. Now, that's not something we necessarily agree with biblically or see support for biblically, but it is admirable that they did, they did this thing to be different, to stand out, to dedicate themselves to God. We don't have to shave our heads for that, but we need to live a life holy and connected with God and not living like the world, but living separate from the world. Later on, as the giants were just about to attack the regular Earthland, a very interesting thing was said, and I can't remember now which character said it, but about the giants being referred to as kind of a darkness and evil. They said, once darkness gets a taste for light, it won't stop until it consumes the sun. And that is a great definition of evil, of darkness, but it's not a taste for light. It's just Men, scripture says, men are evil. Men love the darkness because their deeds are evil. And God is light, and in God is no darkness at all. So, darkness cannot consume the light. Darkness is the absence of light. Evil is the absence of good. Lies, untruth, are the absence of truth. So you take truth out, then you have to accept lies in its place. You take the light away and you get darkness. And I like how they brought that up in this, that it, it reminds me a little bit too of just the battle that we have over our own lives as Christians and the struggles that we can face sometimes. I, I remember a story 
that I've got it somewhere on my bookshelf. So, well, it's in a box somewhere in my house, but um, a story about a sword. I think the story was called The Shining Sword. It's a kid's story and it has all of these parallels and it tries to be kind of like Pilgrim's Progress in that everything is an allegory of something. And they refer to a besetting sin, a particular sin that someone struggles with. And the way they illustrate that is a giant as the besetting sin and that each person needs to conquer their besetting sin, their particular giant. Someone else can't conquer that giant for you. You have to conquer it and master the sin. And like scripture says, casting down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And because of the the armor of God. So this line reminds me of what can happen when we let sin take hold in our lives. Once darkness gets a taste for light, it won't stop until it consumes the sun. Just like once we let sin into our lives go unconfessed, undealt with, it can consume our souls and cause us to then completely change, rebel against what God wants us to do, rebel against what we believe in, betray our own beliefs because of the sin, the darkness that we let in. Not quite like a massive giant coming down the beanstalk, but if that illustration works for considering what sin does in your life, then then that works well. One of the giants actually asked the question, do you believe in God? And I, I didn't quite get what the response was to it, but it, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be good. But it kind of went nowhere after that. It, it fizzled out a little bit and uh, didn't develop into much more of a theological statement after that. But those are my thoughts and initial reactions review to Jack the Giant Slayer. And I know Eve would love to have your thoughts, and I'll be watching the comments and the emails as well. So please, if you have some thoughts about Jack the Giant Slayer, please go to the website and comment on the show notes for this episode at areyoujustwatching.com slash 35. And then if you have feedback about future movies that Eve mentions on the blog that she'll review or in the Facebook group or anything like that that you would like to provide feedback for, you want to suggest content, uh, things that you notice in movies and TV shows and commercials on the internet, whatever, any kind of stuff that you want to share with Eve for the podcast, Are You Just Watching, then please email feedback at areyoujustwatching.com or call 903-231-2221 and leave a voicemail there. Or you can go to areyoujustwatching.com and click on the send a voice message link to record a message right from your computer. And be sure that you are subscribed over at the website at areyoujustwatching.com and leave some ratings and reviews in iTunes. I know Eve would really appreciate that. And if you aren't If you are just subscribed to the podcast, make sure you're also watching the blog as well as Eve is starting to post some announcements and such in the blog. Like she did an initial review of the movie Beautiful Creatures. Now that's just a blog post. So you have to go over to areyoujustwatching.com to check out that blog post and learn more about Beautiful Creatures. I know Eve is also looking at reviewing The Hunger Games, uh, maybe some other cool movies that have come out or are coming out in the near future. So please send your feedback. Again, that's email feedback at areyoujustwatching.com 
or call 903-231-2221 or go to areyoujustwatching.com and click on the send a voice message link to record a message right from your computer or from your iOS device. And you can follow me on Twitter over at The Ramen Noodle and check out the other podcasts that I actively host. One is our Once Upon a Time podcast at oncepodcast.com and I host a podcast teaching you how to podcast and use Audacity at theaudacitypodcast.com which by the way, that recently won an award for the number one tech podcast in 2012. So thank you so much for your support there. For E. Franklin, I'm Daniel J. Lewis. Thank you so much for listening. In the words of General Fallon's other head, Are You Just Watching is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Our opening vocal talent was thanks to Mariah. The theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis. For more great podcasts like this one, visit the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. That's noodle.mx. Noodle.mx.